As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Hey, welcome back. 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, race writer for The Athletic. Athletic. And I'm with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever from the from the uh, epic Oventral days. What's up, Eric? How you doing, man? Waking up. How you doing? Good. You keeping up with your boy Craig Kimball out in L.A.? No, I didn't see what he did last night. He had a good one his next time out. Uh, uh it's like old home week out there to see him and Freddie like hugging yeah. after the game the other night. He closed, he got a save and him and Freddie were hugging. It's like just so weird to see that still. We've got uh Brace split their opening series, four games against the Nats, which is uh it took them what three games to get over 500 this year after taking them more than a hundred to get over 500 last year. So there's that. Um or not the Nats, I'm sorry. They're playing the Nats again starting tonight. Three game series starting tonight, Monday at uh Truest against the Reds played the Reds and uh, saw a lot of things, saw a lot of really good. I think a lot more good things, certainly than negatives. I thought, you know, even though that you're sure you'd rather, you know, win the series. I thought the positives that coming out of that were important positives. Namely, uh, we'll get to this. Kyle Wright was, Oh yeah. That's that uh, to see Matt Olson get hit the ground running to get off to a great start. And that's the guy that he told me yesterday, he's traditionally a slow starter. Last year was really his first good start last year with his career year with the A's. And then also to see Charlie Morton out there pitching in game two as though he never broke his leg in a World Series. You'd never known he broke his leg and had surgery to repair that, splint, repair that splintered fibula because he looked like himself. Here he is, 38, 39 years old out there just dealing. So I thought there were a lot of real positives. And the Braves could easily, I know this is not hyperbole or being – rose-colored glasses. They easily could have had three or four more home runs in what would be normal conditions out there. But it was yeah. windy and cold for two of those games, and that really held some balls in the yard. The ball just wasn't traveling for either team, obviously. It affects both teams the same way. And the Reds could have had a few more homers too. But the Braves hit some bombs. Uh, Olsen hit three to the wall. Riley hit one yesterday for a oh, double. Oh, I thought he got that one. Yeah. yeah. So I thought there were a lot of positives. What did you think, first of all, Kyle Wright to me was just that was the most encouraging thing to me to see. I don't need I don't know if I've seen him throw better, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I know he's he's had some good games in the postseason and stuff, but 
he, I mean, he was just going right after guys. No, no, no messing around. I don't know what the pitch count was, but he had a really low pitch count through five yeah. or six. Um, I mean, he got in little trouble his last inning. And overall, though, I mean, that's that's kind of been my report on him, just looking at him and watching him this whole time. Is he's always felt like he's nibbling. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like he gives a, he gives up a little hard contact and then he starts nibbling on the edges of the zone. His stuff, he might be one of those guys that his stuff's so good, you know, the life on it, the the life on his fastball, his breaking ball, that he can afford to catch more plate with his mistakes instead of nibbling and getting himself into trouble where they can look for one pitch. Um, but that, I mean, I, I, if if he's pitched better than that, it's been a tie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he, I, yeah. I don't know if he's throwing the ball yeah. much better than that. Yeah, he's looked as good or better than that for maybe one inning, but yeah. never like for a whole. Just he just, looks so comfortable and confident yeah. out there to me. He, he looked like fast. He looked like a high first round draft pick that he's supposed yeah. to be. You know that he yeah. is that he's and the ace that they thought he would be by now. So he's still pretty young, man. And people forget and they've given up on him. If you've given up on him, you gave up too early because this guy showed that he's still got the stuff to be an ace. And if he pitches like that, he will be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you pitch like that, you're. You could pitch for anybody. Yeah, he had uh, – it was six scoreless innings, two hit ball, one walk, six strikeouts. I mean, the walks, that's what you you also hated to see in the past. He'd get a bad inning. Things would start to get a little traffic on the bases, and it would kind of come apart. And he'd, he'd walk like three straight guys or give up – you know, leave one right over the middle of the plate and give up a big home run with after a couple of walks. You didn't see any of that in this game. You know, I used to always tell young guys that. I'd say just watch BP, you know, and – in Seattle, we had this guy, Tommy Cruz, that played for a long time and wrecked his shoulder. And he had the most jacked up throwing motion of all time. But uh-huh. I tell him, you know, just watch BP. And you'd see Beltre go up. And this is an old man throwing him 55 miles an hour right down the middle. Pops it up. You know, he knows fastball's coming. Yeah. And and I tell guys, you know, just watch BP. Or we go to we go to Atlanta and Chino Cotahia would just be dicing guys up. You know, it's ground ball to shortstop. And, and we'd, we'd roll through an inning in our head, and and we'd watch the balls get hit. So the first ball gets hit. We're like, all right, that's a base hit, runner on first. Next ball smoked. All right, that's another one, first and second. What do you know? Next next thing, this is a 55-year-old man just throwing dead fish down the middle. Ground ball to shortstop. So now we're like, all right, you got a runner on third and two outs, and the guy flies out to the warning track. And the only thing these pitching coaches are doing is throwing strikes. And, right. you know, the, the point of the lesson was just it's that hard to hit a baseball. You know, uh-huh. I'm squared up. There's You got eight fielders out there. Uh, well, nine count yourself. It, you can get through an inning just throwing strikes. But if you watch a bad inning, almost every time a pitcher has a bad inning, he walks a few guys and then gives up that big knock that wouldn't have hurt him if nobody was on. Yeah. So to me, the most, the two most encouraging three, if you count Charlie, uh, three most encouraging developments were Olson, yeah, Kyle Wright, and Charlie. The most eye popping performance I thought was Spencer Strider on opening oh, day, yeah. dude. That guy comes in. Here's a guy that did. He started. You got to remember, last year at this time, he was pitching in low A in his first pro season. Got promoted four times in one year. Made his debut the last weekend of the regular season with the Braves. So he pitched a couple of games there. That's it until opening day. He makes the opening day roster as a versatile reliever, six starter candidate. He goes in there in a seventh and eighth inning and blows away Reds hitters. He, fa- he faced six batters, struck out five of them, was throwing 99, 100 miles an hour like most guys are throwing 93, 94 these days. I mean, yeah. this guy throws gas and makes it look easy. And he's about six feet tall, maybe 185 pounds. 
You know, sometimes not being tall helps. You know, I, I think that's one thing that works for Kimbrel is that that uh-huh. plane on his fastball. But because they're you know throwing from that lower arm slot, but still being able to throw over the top, you can get that almost uphill ride to it. Um, but yeah, when I was watching him, I, I always try to gauge. You know, you gauge by the swings, and that was not a boring ninety nine. That was yeah. getting on guys and getting yeah. past them. And I saw a few Reds hitters almost vent their frustration because because he has that little follow through. Yeah. You know, like he he's got some attitude with his ninety nine. Yep. And I could tell they were looking for it. They wanted to hit it. They wanted to make him pay. And they just there was nothing they could do about it. He was just blowing him away. It's really going to be interesting to see after a couple of weeks, after he makes like three or four appearances and some teams have some video on him, that kind of thing. It's really going to see, uh, going to be interesting to watch how teams can, if they can try to figure him out or what, because his stuff is, uh, he just obliterated hitters. Yeah. And if he pitches like that, he ain't going anywhere on May 2nd when the rosters are trimmed from 28 to 26, because they can use that arm in the pen. Absolutely for sure. This is like, you know, Tomlin on, I don't want to say on steroids because people take it the wrong way. This is like Tomlin with another 15 miles an hour, what this guy could do yeah. for you, you yeah. know, in long relief or versatile. Because he could obviously, he could set up, he could obviously even as emergency closer, although they're not going to need a closer because they got so many guys that can do that with experience. But the point is this guy's stretched out right now and he could do a lot of things for you. He could and do that six starter thing too, along with Tucker Davidson. It'd be a tough decision to make though, because if he can throw, <laughs> you know, if he can start and do that. Right. You might want to say, you know, maybe you go down and and we get you stretched out and you're going to be our sixth guy or fifth guy or shit. If you throw like that, third or fourth by the end of the year. but (laughs) And keep working on his pitches and get pitching every fifth day in AAA, you're saying? Well, if they just don't feel like they can keep him ready to to make that emergency start or don't want to risk it. Because, you know, bullpen's not an easy role, Um, especially throwing 100 miles an hour. You're you're hot today. You don't pitch. Then you throw tomorrow. Um, I don't know what kind of routine he's got or, or, or what kind of guy he is or how he bounces back and handles it. But right. sometimes a guy shows so much value in the pen that they want to see him for five or six. Right. Well, it's going to be interesting, but that was, uh, I was, that was really something to see. Oh, it was, it was, uh, that was impressive. Uh, and that was probably the most impressive as far as power arm that I've seen until we saw Hunter Green yesterday with the Reds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, you talk about future ace. What a stud, man. 22 years old with the Reds. Uh, this guy was a, what, number five overall pick or higher than that? I don't even know. I forget. Out of Notre Dame High and Sherman Oaks. You heard about up. him. You heard about him last year a lot. And we saw it. And he is – there ain't no – he lived up to the hype. It ain't. It's not just hype with this guy. It's the real deal. Six foot five. Looked like he had pitched – looked like a five-year veteran out there. Totally calm. It's his major league debut, and he comes out throwing gas. Plus, he's got a slider and a changeup. And he's going 101, and then he's throwing 85, 86. Like a couple of batters, like I think it was a Duvall earlier, he threw nothing but three pitches, 85, 86. It was either a change or a slider. And, I mean, he had guys guessing all the time, and they're sitting on that you know 100-mile-an-hour fastball, and he comes with a good slider and a changeup as well. Oof, that guy. He's he's the real deal. Shit, I'd be calm if I threw 102 too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got the tools, you just got to pitch. You know he had a pitch clocked in AAA at 104.3 yeah. miles an hour. There's only been like five major league pitchers ever top I ever get to 104. 
you know, you got to wonder about the gun. Is it real? Whatever. Cause that just seems 104. My God. But he did. I mean, that was his, his first inning that triple A, but he also gave up three home runs in that same inning. So yesterday he did not look like a guy that's going to give up three homers in an inning. Although Olsen got to him and Darno got to him as the game went on third time through that order. That ball Olsen hit. I mean, yeah. it just didn't make sense. It, Cause yeah. it was, it was boring in on his hands, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it had an angle in onto his hands and he stayed inside it at a hundred something miles an hour and, and hit it out tailing away from the center fielder to the left center. Yeah. I mean, I, that was, that's one of the most impressive home runs I've seen. Dude, that guy, he's got the leverage yep. and the strength because he's six four, he's six five, long arm, long leg, and he holds his hands way out here. Like yeah. I, like Kevin Seitz was telling me, he's never seen a guy, a good hitter, start with do his that. hands out there, but it works for him because it's he does it for mental reminders that work, you know, on, on keeping his hands out. But then by the time he the hit the pitch is coming, he's in the right position. And man, he's got some quick hands, dude. He's got some bat speed for a big dude, especially. He really does. Special. I mean, the fact that he can get he can get to the high fastball, that's usually, you know, lefty hitters are typically they're gonna hit the low fastball really well. Yeah. They're used to the ball coming from a variety, so they handle breaking balls decently. But most of them have that hole at the top of the zone. And that's you can tell. I mean, that's where everybody's trying to expose him. Yeah. Everybody's trying to pitch him at the top of the zone, challenge him with fastballs and get him to chase up. Um, but once in a while they make a mistake and it's middle up and not all the way up yeah. and he just blasts it. I saw him do it in spring training too. Yeah. He doesn't miss many mis mistake pitches. He's, he doesn't. Uh, he's smart. He's smart. He works pitchers. He works, but he works walks. He took, uh, he's already taken three walks as many walks as strikeouts. Yeah. It, the Braves got a special one here, man. He's going to make people forget Freddie, I think. And, and, and that's enough, not a knock on Freddie because he's not, that doesn't make his performance any less phenomenal than he was for the Braves. But this guy, you're not losing anything offensively for where this guy is in his career right now, entering the peak of his career. Yeah. Braves got him at the right time. And then it, we've already seen the defense. I mean, he is, he's perfect over there defensively. He's picking a lot. He's catching balls in the sun like it's nothing, you know. Mm -hmm. There's not an adventure. He's perfectly positional. Everything. He's picking balls off, you know, hot ground. The one hoppers throws. He's a pretty special player. It's pretty, and, and he's and he's fit seamlessly into the clubhouse too. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he's uh, he definitely softens that blow if not makes you completely forget. I mean, he's a, yeah, he's definitely a stud. Just watching him, watching him pick balls at first has been. We've talked about how important that is for fielders' confidence. I, uh, but getting back to Hunter Green yesterday, uh, you know, the Braves got a little bit, got to him a little bit later as it went on. So that's, that's, uh, afterwards Dickerson told me special arm. I mean, I, I, they were calling it electric arm, but he said, hopefully we see him again because they think when they, when the second time they've seen him, they think they'll be able to slow the game down a little bit against him now that they've seen his arm, know what he's about and all that. And, uh, and shorten up, he said, he, maybe some guys can shorten up against him next time. Yeah, um, you know, because they didn't really know. I mean, all you've seen is video, and like Snit said, it's one thing to see it on video; it's another to see an arm like that and 100, 101 on you. So, I, I thought their bats were a lot better as they went along. And early yeah. on, he was just blowing guys away in the first yeah. couple of years. They had no hope. Well, it's hard to get ready for one hundred and one in in April, you know, <laughs> like Strider, like Spencer yeah. Strider, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, it, it you know, that's something to keep an eye on. I think that's you know, seeing them again type of thing. I think that's kind of what Ian Anderson's going through. Because I yeah. think you you almost get when you throw as funky as he does and you got that change up, yeah. You almost get a free year where everybody's got to see you and feel you out. And and now everybody's seen him. 
Um, I've just noticed, you know, when it starts, people are taking a little bit tougher pitches yeah. when he's, yeah. when he's not quite locked in. And I think that's why it's either, he's either locked in and nobody's hitting him or it's, it's a more of a sloppy start like that last one he had with a bunch of walks, but I'm sure he'll figure it out. But yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a big deal to see somebody multiple times. Yeah. And, and they were, usually he can get guys out two strikes. So that change up and they're not biting and they're like, you know, yeah. People have seen him now a little bit, yeah. and, he, and his velocity isn't quite what it normally is. He's a guy that I think right now the pitchers generally are ahead of the hitters. We're seeing a lot of big strikeouts and all that, but he's not because he only pitched eight innings in spring yeah. training, man. He had one start pushed back a day, then he got it shortened by the blister on his toe. That was his last start where he would have gone like a couple more innings against Tampa, and he was actually throwing well. Um, and then, th- then he got rocked, and, and the first two starts were both against the Red Sox and one. One of them was terrible, so he got out of there early too. So I just think he had a real funky short spring, and and his velo's not, you know, he's not a big velo guy anyway. But it's down a couple of miles per hour. He's around ninety two, ninety three right now. So it's not been much of a differential between the changeup at all, like five, six miles an hour instead of the ten, twelve. Didn't he say last year though he was a slow starter after those bad yeah. starts? Just kind of shrugged it off. I, yeah. I think I remember. I think I remember talking about that. Yeah, I'm not worried about him at all. That's the thing is is I think the encouraging, the positives are a lot more, uh, a lot stronger than the negatives are negative because yeah. you don't have to worry about Anderson. I mean, look what he's done late in the seasons and in the postseasons year yeah. after year. And he pitched into November last year. He had the shoulder thing right after the All-Star break. Um, this is a guy, and when he debuted the year before, it was in August. Yeah. So, again, he's never pitched in the start of a major league season uh and, and done real well. So that I, I'm not worried about him. We've seen enough of him to know what he can do. And I'm obviously not worried about Max Free. Not that he had a bad start at all, but, uh, you know, opening day, he didn't, wasn't a great start by him, but we're obviously not worried about him. And at the same time, Charlie's the guy that you wondered how he'd come back from the broken leg at age 38. He was terrific. And then you wonder about Kyle Wright as your fourth starter, actually pitched in game three. And you wonder, has he turned a corner in his career? Well, we'll see, but it, it sure looked like it. Between the World Series game and that game, he may have turned a corner in his career. And if he did, look out, man, because this is a guy that you'll be able to count on. Yeah, a guy with – Kyle Wright with confidence is scary. You know, yeah. I mean, that, that that was what – when I watched him in the past, I felt like he lacked the confidence to, to trust his stuff and go after guys. But he did not lack it last week. I mean – he was just going right after dudes. I I got I should have looked it up, but there was some kind of stat like, you know, he threw like eighty four percent strikes or something crazy, which you don't yeah. see guys do that much. Yeah, yeah. Like yesterday, Ian was around fifty percent. You know, I mean, he just did it's not hard to strikes. pitch like that. Yeah, and he uh, Kyle was ahead of everybody just about. I mean, he was yeah, it was uh, he, he pitched pretty much a perfect game as far as what the Braves wanted to see from him. Uh, exactly what they wanted to see from him. Throwing uh, confidence, throwing strikes, getting ahead, putting guys away when he did get ahead. So it was yeah. impressive. He threw 20 Efficient. balls, 20 total balls in six innings, 76 pitches, 56 strikes. That's that's solid. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see- 
this. A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, as far as yeah, uh, the other the other positive we talked we mentioned Matt Olson. He's tied for the major league hits lead right now with eight. All eight of those have been in the last three games. He's got three straight multi-hit games, two three-hit games. He could have a chance tonight to tie a career high if he gets a fourth straight multi-hit game. So that's a good way to start your career with the Braves. He uh he he's hitting 571, 657 OBP. He's got as many walks as strikeouts, like I said, three of it. He's got three extra base hits, two, two doubles. Could have had three homers if the ball's carrying. He's slugging 929. So here's what uh, Sites are. I asked Sites about uh, Olsen, and he said, oh, it's been phenomenal. I mean, he's just – I asked about working with Olsen the first three or four weeks he's had with him. He said he's been phenomenal. I mean, he's just really impressed me all the way around mentally, emotionally, with his routine, his batting practice, his plan of attack when he gets in the box. He says, I can see why he's had success. He's got a real great routine in the cage. Yeah. And I asked him about his hands and, you know, being out there. He said, I told the other guys, the other, co- our coaches, especially I've, I've ne- I said, I've never seen a good hitter start like that, but he gets into a good position. And he said, he started doing it a long time ago because he had a tendency to wrap, to get his hands too far behind him and wrap around the ball. So he, so he felt like when he started getting them out there, he was able to get a more consistent launch position. It's like, Hey, whatever works. The dudes had a lot of success and having success in that ballpark in Oakland, where he came from is saying a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and you know it's that's why Seitzer is a good coach because a lot of coaches will see something like that yeah. and not really put the thought into it. They'll exactly. just st- they'll stop at I've never seen a good hitter do it. So mm-hmm. as soon as he struggles, they're just waiting for him to talk to him, and then it's like I know what the problem is. Let's let's get your right. hands here. But him having a legit reason for it, you know, getting too wrapped in the back, and and you know, you'd think having his hands out there would make his swings uh, too too long. Right. But he's able to, if you watch him, he pulls him in tight and then he gets out front in a hurry, you know, because he's got some bat speed. Um, but, you know, coaches want to change that type of stuff just because they don't like it. And it's not, not yeah. you know, it's probably not something you teach, but him having a reason for it and, and something else that he has a tendency to do wrong that it corrects is, you know, it's well thought out. So I, it, I just, I love that Seitzer just doesn't, he doesn't try to paint everybody with the same brush, you know, he lets yeah. guys be themselves. And I think that's something that sites or separates them from most hitting coaches because hitting coaches are is so trendy. You'll have a guy that's yeah. the hottest hitting coach for three or four years, and it's swinging down. Then it's launch angle. This guy's hottest hitting coach for three or four years, but none of them ever last for a real long time with one team for the most part. Yep. There's a few exceptions, but Seitzer is different. And I think a huge part of that is that he doesn't get guys and try to change them and conform yep. to a style. He teaches he teaches to their strengths. Yep. And if he gets a good hitter, he's got enough. He doesn't have the ego that says I can make him better by changing nope. this or that. He 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 coaches to the guy's strengths. And if you look at the Braves, they got they've had so many guys with different approaches. Like he gets Josh Donaldson in with a very different approach, yep. but he didn't try to change it. Freddie yep. Freeman, he didn't try to fix Freddie because he didn't need fixing. You yep. know, when when Sites came over here to the Braves, so I really like that about him. And most hitters say the same thing. That's why they you don't very generally get guys talking. 
saying anything negative about Seitzer, which you do get guys usually criticizing a hitting coach if his approach isn't yeah. doesn't fit their their desired approach. So he's kind of different in that way. Yeah, and he's not super hands on either. You know, he lets right. guys do their work, and you know, there's nothing worse than going through your your motion or working on your mechanics or something, and you feel this coach watching, and you just you almost just have this tendency to want to please them and do stuff their way. And yeah. then you're out there in the game and you're trying to do it a way that's not comfortable. And, you know, it's like, oh, there's an adjustment period. We got to work on this. We got to we got to make these yeah. changes. And he just seems to just let a guy come in, uh, have whatever traits they have, focus on their strengths. And if they struggle, tell him what he thinks. But it, it, I think the big key is the ego, you know, not having an ego where he's got to put a stamp on everybody because that's where a lot of coaches falter. Yeah, and he also will delegate. You know, he's got a couple of assistant coaches, yeah. hitting coach. Last year he had three, including Chipper. And some guys connect better with other guys, with yep. some hitters than other guys. And he's smart enough to not try to be the key guy with every hitter. Like yeah. if Bobby Magallonis, I always pronounce his name wrong, but if he is works has worked well with a guy in minor leagues, because Magallonis, guys love mags down in the minors, he lets him work with a guy like, uh, like Austin Riley, yep. you know? And because and, Austin Riley's other guy is not with Brumley's not with the organization anymore, but he doesn't mind that Austin still texts with Brumley or gets tips from him. He just wants the hitter to be good. Yeah, he doesn't want the hitter to have his stamp on it. And this, and as a result, he's been the hitting coach for the Braves for you know going on a decade now. Close to it. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they got a good one with him, and as long as he wants that job, I think he'll have it. So because it, it, he's he's figured it out, and and most coach, I think most pitting coaches just have too much of an ego and can't let a good hitter be a good hitter without having his, their stamp of approval. So, yep. um, yeah. So I asked sites about uh, Olson having leverage and strength, you know, with the long arms and, and, and being a big dude with some strength. And he said, yes, he does. It looks like a longer swing, but then you'll see like in spring training, he had a three Oh fastball. He was late. He was late on. He came right back with it. Mm-hmm. Fixing my, uh, my uh, quote here. My, from a story. He said it was a guy that was throwing pretty hard and he parked it right center. I mean, it was yep. like snapping his hands. So it's pretty cool to watch. He said, I'm looking forward to when he starts getting getting it going, gets hot, settles in here, gets comfortable. Our whole offense, I'm looking for well, this was after day one. So <laughs> they they got hot and he got hot in a hurry. So yeah. But yeah, he, he mentioned what you said though. It's about snapping those hands, even though he looks like he's got a long a long, a long swing. He gets away with that with those hands that he has and getting them back in. Yeah, he does. He pulls them through quick. I think he's talking about the same at bat I saw where, you know, I mean, you just see a guy with his hands like that and you think there's no way he's getting to a high fastball because you, yeah. you're just looking at how far his hands have to travel. But it's almost like he, as soon as the pitch comes, he gets straight to his load. And, uh, you know, I, I hadn't heard that quote, but it makes perfect sense. Um, that was, you know, uh, that's something a lot of hitters do wrong is just get too long in the back. Mm-hmm. And then they can't get to pitches. And you're thinking a guy with his hands out there so far from him, his hands have to travel so far just to get into position to hit. But right. he times it up well. And then when he goes to swing, I mean, it's it's not a long swing. It looks like it because of where his hands start, but it's it's right. quick and compact. And he's got a lot of juice out front. Uh, by the way, Sites had a great quote on Spencer Strider. I asked him, I, this was the day after that uh, two-inning relief appearance on opening day. I asked him about, I said, what about the kid last night? said hitting hundred again and again. And he said, Holy shit, that's some power <laughs> stuff right there. <laughs> like, yeah. Strider had he faced six batters, by the way, through 16 strikes and 24 pitches, 18 fastballs, averaged 99.3 miles an hour, 
topped out at 100.3. So that fastball is just 99-100 every time. Said he got nine misses on 13 swings. That's stupid. Yeah. Uh, only one reliever has more strikeouts in the majors right now than Strider, by the way. That's his teammate, Colin McHugh. I thought that was another real encouraging sign. McHugh yeah. had a kind of a rough first outing. First outing. I mean, it was you know real brief, but it was he gave up a couple of hits. He bounced back yesterday, makes his second appearance, retires all seven batters he faced, including five strikeouts. If you saw this guy walking down the street, you would never think he was a major <laughs> league pitcher, much less that he was a strikeout pitcher. Dude, he's about 5'10 and probably weighs 165, 70 pounds. I mean, if I'm exaggerating, it's not much. He's a slender dude. And then he gets out there and just God, he's got some stuff to try oh, guys he out. Can, you know, that's one of the nice things when you're a starter and you go to the bullpen. I, I yeah. always thought is starters tend tend to have more pitches. You know, most relievers, it's they got a fastball slider and some bush change up they mix in. But you know, McHugh yeah. knows how to he knows how to spin the ball, and he's he's known how to get through five, six, seven innings in the past. So um, he's got a nasty curveball slider. I think he's mixing in a cutter. He knows how to place his fastball change up. It's like you know that's you're biting off a lot when you come because a starter normally has to save a pitch or two. You know they're gonna right. they're gonna work right. work their fastballs curveball early and then try to mix the slider in later. He can come in now and throw everything he's got in one inning. So it's it's a lot for hitters to look for. And I mean, I think you saw the result with five punch outs and what inning and two thirds or two innings. Uh, yeah, he had two, uh, two and a third yesterday. Two and one a third, third five strikeouts. Out, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's seven batters. That's overwhelming him. Retired all seven of them. Yeah. He's got six strikeouts with no walks in two and two thirds innings and two appearances. Yeah. Yeah. He knows how to pitch. And that's what he did last year when he had that one five five ERA and 64 innings and more than a strikeout an inning. Yeah. Uh, other big encouraging Austin Riley. I mean, I think he answered any kind of skeptics last year because he just kept doing it month after yeah. month after the after caught fire midway through the first month of the season and never really cooled down for more than a couple of weeks the rest of the year. Had the first team all MLB season, only guy on the team that made first team all MLB, and he's picked up right where he left off. I mean, he comes out, he's gone five for thirteen with a double and a homer. Had that homer hit just below the top of the wall, hit another ball that should have been out under normal conditions there. Uh, at truest. And I think w what really is another sign of how far he's come since his first couple of years, he struck out once in a four game series and had three walks, man. One yeah. strikeout. He's hitting 385 with a 529 OBP after four games. After I saw him on MLB Network talking about his swing and talking about, you know, yeah. what. It's the same thing you do as a pitcher is you learn, you learn to correct your misses in a hurry. I mean, that's what big leaguers are good at. And, you know, in the minor leagues, maybe guys can't execute that slider and, and he gets away with being bad longer because they yeah. keep making mistakes. You get up to the majors and you face guys that can throw that slider down the way over and over and over. And with him, it's not an approach thing. He knows that's how they're going to try to get him out, but he would have a flaw in his swing that didn't allow him to attack the pitch that he was looking for. You know, because I think he's a pretty smart hitter as, what, as far as what he's yeah. looking for. But when he was on MLB Network talking about, you know, how he lands and and if he's late on this pitch and he's fouling it off, that tells him he was a little bit, you know, off balance. He was a little yeah. off front, a little bit this. Just the way that I saw him thinking through his swing and his misses, um, it, it was just – it was something you'd hear a guy, you know, that had 10 years in the majors talking about. You know, they, yeah. he's learning his lessons a lot faster than a lot of hitters – um, just based on the stuff that he was saying. So, 
you know, I mean, I'm sure you have one good year and everybody's going to doubt you and think it's, you have to back it up, but it was pretty convincing last year, you know, and what he did yeah. in the postseason, And then just starting off this year, he looks like the same guy. You know, I'm not, I don't worry about him anymore. Yeah. It's funny because you just see him and you hear his interviews and, you know, he comes across as, you know, just a baseball player that, you know, yeah. not a real big thinking guy or whatever, but that's wrong. Cause he is kind of like Chipper, you know, the first, the perception of Chipper in his first, maybe 10 years of his career was, you know, this cocky dude, maybe not the brightest bulb, yep. and, but, but he is Chipper is as smart as any baseball player I've ever talked to about the oh, game of baseball. The I mean, smartest he, for me. Yeah. I mean, me too. And he knows the game inside now. And you could tell that Austin Riley kind of similar tone, similar vein. You could tell he's listened to all the guys. He's had some really good hitting coaches that have helped him. Chipper, yeah. Brumley, especially Bobby Mags. And he's listened to all that these guys have taught him and he's applying it. And yeah. it's, and it's not crowding his brain either. He's not getting up there overthinking it. Nope. He's just taking the best parts that work for him. And he, as, a, as a result, he's got this great approach and he's just now, and he's able to, he's able to fix it too. He's got, he's got some things that he can go to some cues that he can go to, to fix it. If he gets in a bad game or two. So his, his slumps don't extend. And, and that's really a key for a lot of these hitters is not allowing them slumps to swallow you and get y'all frustrated. He's able to snap out of it. If he has a bad couple of games. Well, that's that, that's that ability to adjust, you know, and to, to go back, look at some video, analyze what you're doing for him. It was something he kept talking about with his weight shift. You know, if yeah. he, if his stride was too long, his swing got too long, you know, he got his, his head was moving too much. He wouldn't track the ball as well. And he'd, he'd pop up the pitches he was supposed to be hitting. So he yeah. would shorten his stride on purpose and, and he'd be quicker and more balanced to the ball and he'd, he'd rake it. But, you know, I guess it's just, for me, I hadn't heard him talk in depth about hitting before, but that's, mm -hmm. that's what sells you on certain guys as a teammate. You know, I, I saw a Juan Soto interview that, you know, it's not good news for anyone in the league, the way he's thinking back there when he was talking about pitchers, but um, anybody that, you know, you get to hear talk in depth yeah. about hitting yeah. and they, and they're, they're well ahead of the game. Cause there's some guys, there are legit guys that are just seeing the ball and hitting the ball and that's as deep as they want to take it. And the more they think, the worse they get. But there's other guys like Riley that are able to really analyze it and break it down. And that's the difference in, you know, having a 10-year career versus two hot years is the guys mm -hmm. that can nip those those uh, slumps in the bud real quick, you know, and and shorten those slumps. Maybe it's a game or two instead of three or four weeks. And it seems like he's he's done a pretty good job of that so far. His pitch recognition. I mean, yeah. he looked hopeless in his first year after that blazing start and then guys got a book on him started exposing him and throwing him sliders away and he just looked lost up there his pitch recognition has come so far now yeah. he's able to spit on those balls he's able to tell the strikes strikes to balls as kevin seitzer calls them. he's able to recognize them now and it's made all the difference in the world you don't see him chasing a lot of pitches now out of the zone or getting put away on two strike sliders foot off the plate so Dansby at times has come a long ways, but he's still he's he's lacking uh, what Riley has learned as far as that is concerned. And and like Dansby had four strikeouts in opening day, and that's kind of the difference in the two hitters. Riley hadn't had a four strikeout game in forever. You know, he's hadn't even had more than two strikeouts, but a few times since early last season. So, um, Kevin Seitzer said about about uh, Riley. He said I asked him big key for him and how far he's come. You know, since his first couple of years, and he said we talked a lot this spring about how one of the biggest components for him was the consistency in his approach and staying up the middle of the field in the right center. 
He said, you know, not see, not being in the see ball, hit ball, hit ball mode unless he's hot. And when he's, when yeah. he said, that's when that approach works. He said, but the experience was the biggest thing uh, that I, that I feel made the difference. He said, knowing how pitchers were working him, getting better recognition of secondary stuff that were strike the ball pitches. Yeah. He said that for him is the big key for what, how far Riley has come in, in the last year. Well, and he's so strong, you know, he can still hit his homers to right center. You know, he yeah. can still do damage out that way. So he doesn't have to try to cheat to the fastball in. Um, that's a guy like Miguel Cabrera or something like that, that can just stay back and flip a slider right. out to right center. Those guys, man, they can do whatever they want at the dish. Yeah. Like chipper could. Yep. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. By the way, the Braves drew for the first for the opening series against the Reds, three straight sellouts, and then game four on Sunday, which normal in a normal year, even with beautiful weather, Sunday afternoon, especially during the Masters. But after those first three games where everybody's like, those are if they're going to go to a game, it's going to be one of the, the ring ceremony because right. they knew that was coming, or game one opening day. It's going to be one of those first three games, and then it's going to really fall off in the, on Sunday afternoon. It did not fall off. They got 38,000 yesterday, almost 39. So for four games, they drew almost 160,000, man. I mean, they finished second in the majors in attendance last year behind the Dodgers, who have a stadium that seats about – 15,000 more than the Braves. <laughs> 700,000. That's a market huge. and a metro area that's about three times the size of Atlanta. Um, Braves are off to a hell of a start as far as attendance is concerned. And I think they're going to draw really big for this Nats series that starts Monday night, too. Yeah. Well, they won the World Series. You know, yeah. I mean, that's that's why you, you expect teams to spend and do certain things because you can just bank it that how many people weren't even baseball fans and their family was watching those games and it made them a fan. You know, your, yeah. your, your Braves team going and winning World Series. So I would expect it's it's like this for a lot of the year. And it's an exciting team, too. You know, it's not a boring team. No, it is a very exciting team. And and that, and, and we have any – we get a, they add Acuna in, in, in a few couple of weeks. Yeah. So they get a lot more exciting at that point. So, but uh, we'll see. I mean, obviously, people are down, you know, after you see one guy have a bad outing. Like, you know, Ian Anderson gets knocked about. People forget, though. I mean, it's just so high off the World Series. But they forget how they started last year. And everybody's not going to be ready when the season starts, especially when a pitcher only gets eight innings in a three-week yeah. spring training. Normally, a starting pitcher gets about 24, 25, or 28 innings in spring training. He got eight. So I'm not really surprised that he's struggling right now, and it might take him three or four starts to really get his rhythm going. Yeah, and if he's already typically a slow starter, I mean, <laughs> even less yeah. concerning. Yeah. I also loved one of the quotes uh, from from Charlie Morton, man. Charlie threw 51 strikes and 78 pitches, by the way. The, oh, and the at uh, the temperature at opening at uh, first pitch was like 45 degrees. The feels like was in the 30s. The wind was howling, and he's out there on that broken the leg that's been repaired. He's got all that metal in his leg, rods and screws. 
He came out throwing 95, 97, dude. The velocity is the same as it ever was. And and the nasty breaking ball, the curveball was biting, and he just looked the same. And he had a great quote. He said, I honestly didn't think about the leg. I just think at some point you just got to move on. And honestly, I've rehabbed enough injuries and had enough surgeries in the offseason that it made this offseason like, like basically just like a rehab. Normal, so, yeah. Yeah, and he said, I mean, I've done it before. I know what to expect from myself. And then this great quote here, he said, and also, I think the stage I'm at in my career where I just think it's about being a pro and being accountable and doing my job. I just didn't think about the leg. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a piece of work, man. He's at a point too, where it's like, if a rehab didn't work, I'm pretty sure he's, he's not going to be upset when he goes home. You know, he's been playing a long time. He's talked about being done multiple times and thinking, you know, he's always thinking about whether he wants to keep playing. So sometimes a injury just makes that decision for you. So I don't think there's really any stress involved with it. And he knows how to handle it. Ask Darno how much it meant to see uh, how much de- determination and dedication it took for Charlie to be back out there five months after breaking his leg in the World Series to go out there and do what he did. Um, and Darno goes a tremendous amount. He said, I think that the biggest part from it all is the young guys on our staff get to watch him do this. They all get to learn from someone who puts in so much work and so much effort in his craft, tries to be such a perfectionist with how he prepares. I think it benefits not only him, but the whole organization so much. He said, we're so grateful that he's here. Yeah. You know, you, you hate doing the stuff too. it, It gets really redundant. You know, the deeper you get into your career and there's only certain guys that can just, kind of learned to love the grind of it. Yeah. I started I started to hate it. You know, I had this and and I started early with the whole old man routine because I had a bad back from the time I was 19. It's like uh-huh. get, you get to the park at 1:30 and I got my bitch ass back routine to do, right? It's <laughs> 45 minutes of the same exercises I've been doing for 15 years and they're just I got to a point where I just I didn't have that that love and that enthusiasm about doing it. It just became kind of a thorn in my side. Um, the guys that can just put that redundant work in day in, day out, it's so good for the young guys to watch them because the young guys feel that too. They get to the park, they're tired today, they want to just roll out for BP and, and just you know use BP to get loose and swing the bat out there. But right. you learn what you have to do for your body to feel your best. And when you watch a guy that's 37, 38 years old and you know he's been doing this for you know five times longer than you. Um, yeah there's really no excuse for you not to do your work and be consistent with your work too. So it's all kind of contagious and, and, and flows around the clubhouse when you see guys working hard. Yeah. That was 20 million spent very well on that yes. extension for the Braves. Cause you're getting, uh, I mean, you're getting a co-ace and you're getting a guy that sets the ultimate example for all these young pitchers and young players in your organization. So, you know, cause I don't think they can watch him and see what he prepares and how he prepares to face a team. And what he's been through, and not tell themselves if they feel a little sore someday or a little tired, and go, "Oh, come on, man! The guy's out. He's he's twelve years older than me, and he's out here doing this." You know, it's like Verlander with the Astros yeah. at thirty nine doing what he's doing. It's pretty special when you can have a guy like that doing set an example and just being such a class act generally about not complaining about anything, <coughs> being, being all all about the team. I mean, just you—that's the kind of that's what you want to see from your from yeah. your from your bell cow guys, man, setting the well, tone. And still dealing and still throwing 96. You know, I mean, it's kind of like it's really good for guys to look up and see if I want to play a long time, this is what it's going to take and and wrap their heads around that and start putting the work in now. 
And if they do a little research and some of them are having some injury stuff now, they'll, they'll see that Charlie went through all of it when he was Everything. their age, Yeah, you know? And uh, a lot of people had written him off and here he is 15 years later after people wondering if he was ever going to be tough enough to do it. Now he's like the <laughs> ultimate tough guy. Yeah. He's like the opposite of what we thought. So, well, I think that's one of the best things that could have happened to him was, was getting traded and going somewhere, you know, like what we've talked about before, getting somewhere where he's just going to have that chance to start. Um, yeah. I was watching, I thought Nukem threw the ball pretty well, you know, after bad pitch yeah. or two, but after the wild pitch and the hit and the single, the first batter, he was after that, he was lights out. Yeah. He, he strikes me as a guy though. And I keep saying it, that, you know, maybe he figures out here, maybe he doesn't, but wherever he goes next, I feel like he's just going to take off and everybody be mad at the Braves for giving up on him or something like that. Yeah. But some guys, man, you just, you need to change the scenery and a fresh start, but I, I didn't, I didn't think he threw bad. I thought he threw pretty well. Just a couple Couple yeah, bad pitches. I did too. I did too. And I and I've, I'm first to, to hammer him if he pitches poorly. But he actually he threw, threw the wild pitch, moved both runners in second into scoring position, second and third, yeah. and then gives up the two run single. But that was a bloop in the right field, right? I yeah. mean, that wasn't even a. And then after that, he retired the rest of the guys. So yeah, you can't complain about that appearance. Uh, if guys do, it's just because they're, they're so negative on Nuke at this point. So, but he actually does well. The- <laughs> That's what they need from him. Yeah, that's the hardest part about being that role is you just you feel like everybody's expecting you to fail and you're right. getting that that right. here we go again mindset with people. But yeah, he's uh by the way Charlie is 38 and 150 days. He'll be 39 in November. Jeez, isn't that something? Just over 13 years of service time. I don't know. And Darren, I don't know if it's and Darren a- O'Day's even older. They got two pitchers. Darren O'Day's even older. Darren O'Day's 39. He looks good, man. I don't know if it's a genetic thing or hard work or a combination, but some guys, man, it just, it amazes me what Charlie can do and, and continue yeah. to, yeah, especially, you know, like when you see a guy, and this is another thing is if you see a guy, like I had Jamie Moyer when I was coming up, but Jamie Moyer was, he was pitching his ass off. He didn't still have right. the stuff, you know, right. so he'd be in the pool every day doing his shoulder exercises and all these kind of geriatric workouts. Right. But, yeah. and, you, and you appreciate it when you're a young guy, the consistency in the whole routine. But when you see a guy that's 38 and still throwing 96 and still got his same stuff he had when he was 25, it, it kind of hits a little different uh, to, to just to buy into the routine and what they're selling. Um, but that's, for me, that's the most impressive, impressive thing about Charlie. He's, he's almost got better stuff now. Yeah. Yeah, and he was asked about that, having as good a stuff or better than he's ever had now. Paul Bird asked him about it after the game, and he said, you know, I don't really know exactly, but he said a lot of it was just, you know, learning to pitch and having uh, the body type that he has and figuring things out, you know, along the way. Because he's really cleaned up his mechanics over the years to where it's now. He said, my delivery is not perfect, but it's good enough. Well, it's pretty close to perfect for his body type and all that. He's figured it out where it's pretty – as close to effortless and 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 being able to throw as hard as he does and still not put max effort in, on his limbs. No, he's 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 worked it out through a lot of trial and tribulation, man. Yeah, cleaned it up, and and it helps when you can spin the ball like unlike anybody else in the majors practically. Yeah, I mean he's up there throwing it over thirty one hundred RPMs, man. Yeah, <laughs> and that ain't sticky stuff. That's just him doing it. <laughs> That's just how his body works. Yeah, it, it, his his spin rate didn't go down at all after the sticky after the the new lo- rules went in place last year because that had nothing to do with what how he does it. 
Yeah, some guys, man. I mean, that's that's one thing you don't really ever lose is your ability to to spin the ball. Yeah, because it's more of a visual thing. It's more of a field thing. Uh, most guys just lose their velocity to the point where that spins just right. Guys can eliminate a pitch and and sit and look at it, you know, or, or wait for it. But him throwing ninety six with that much spin on his breaking stuff, I mean, it's he's as nasty as he's ever been. Oh, and before we do, before we go, just two comments I had on Pitchcom. Because the Braves aren't using it. A majority of the teams, at least some of the pitchers are using it. Some pitch, some teams, the whole staff's using it. Uh, but some really good teams aren't using it either. The Dodgers say they can use it if they want, but I don't think anybody's using it yet for them. Braves aren't using it. They aren't say they aren't telling the guys you can't use it. They're just they're not pushing it. And so so far nobody's using it. Do, uh, but here's two reasons. If you listen to Charlie for one thing, he said, you know, he's a guy it's not really gonna at 38 gonna jump on board the pitchcom thing, you know. He said I just think it's the kind of thing that's going to be to become very prevalent. Uh, he 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 understands why it's going to be popular. He said it's only a matter of time. He said it's going to be something that's used by a lot of people and a lot of teams. There's a trust factor there, comfort factor. You know, at some point here in the future, every team is going to be doing something similar, and signs are just going to in that fade yeah. away. Just be, he said, but I think right now we're in a transition period where you have some guys that have never even thought about using that technology coupled with just an era of the game where that's going to be to happen. But I don't have a strong opinion either way. Travis Darno, and this is the reason why you might not see the Braves do it for a bit. Travis Darno, hey, he made a great point. He said, I don't think it's the perfect answer for stopping st- sign stealing. I think you can still uh, steal from it if you really want to. I think baseball will evolve into someone else. Into someone else will be calling the signs, and I'm not a fan of that. I think that it's a game of the players. So that's the biggest thing for me. The way I see it evolving is a team they hire someone yes. who's going to be who's going to calling calling the whole game, like in the NFL, an offensive coordinator. So yeah, I see the pros and cons. Like if the in- Infielders and outfielders know what's coming. It definitely simplifies a lot of things with runners on second base. I think it's rushing the game, rushing the timeless game. Like he said, for Saturday, for example, it's no one's fault. Everyone's learning how to use it. But you but you put your two feet in the box and you look up and the pitcher's starting his windup. So it's not comfortable. So yeah. yeah, everyone's still learning how to use it. We haven't used we haven't used it. But I see the pros and I see the cons of it. But I thought it was a great point about how you're going to evolve where a somebody in the dugout is going to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah some analytics like guy's going to be calling every sign. And, and you know, as a veteran catcher, who, who one of his big strengths is calling the game. And a veteran pitcher like, uh, you know, Charlie trusts his catcher and has that relationship with him. You can see where they wouldn't really be like, we need to use this, you know? Yeah, but this is the thing about pitching, pitch calling, too, that I don't think that could ever take over is that you know the the right pitch according to numbers right it's not always the right pitch according to a pitcher's right. confidence how he's throwing it that day like right. you know i the, the right pitch for me against Votto might be a slider but today i might have a horseshit slider yeah and it, it, or your catcher might see something that tells you he's looking for it cuz guys can do whatever exactly. they want when they come into the box you know i mean it's it's baseball is not cut and dry like that where there's just a right answer for everything that, that numbers can dictate. And this is the first I've heard a guy suggest that, but I just don't think, you know, or, or, or things like Rossi used to call the wrong pitch for me. You know, I'd be facing somebody like Pujols and I'd be pulling off the ball and Rossi would call a fastball into Pujols set up in off the plate. So I'd throw a ball, but it would get my, my delivery back in line. You know, he'd get me back to that side of the plate so that when right. he called the next slider, 
I wouldn't pull off it and hang it. You know, I'd, I'd be on that same line because I just did that. So you just repeat that line with your, uh, with your direction and then you get a good slider out of a guy. I mean, he did that for me countless times where, um, I would be off. I'd be pulling off the ball. I'd be flying open, you know, kind of like the, the tendency Max has when he's not locked in, he flies open a little bit and pushes a ball. Uh-huh. He'd see that and he'd make a correction to my delivery by calling a certain pitch. And he'd get my front side going straight toward the plate instead of pulling off toward third base. It, you can't, there's no, there's no way to analyze that and, and make yeah. that part of the game. And I, you know, maybe a pitching coach calling it, I could see, especially with the pitch calm and, and making it easier for a pitching coach to call the game. I don't think players would be happy with that. And I don't think pitching coaches want to do that. But if you have a guy with a computer that just the computer says this is the right pitch. There's so yeah. many variables into what's the right pitch right now that I don't think it could ever happen. Yeah, and I think you're 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 cutting the legs out from under a really cerebral, experienced yes. catcher who's yep. not going to have the option of doing it because, like you said, he might see that that the the, uh, the book on this guy might be to throw him this pitch, but that that catcher that day might have seen the first couple of bats. See, this guy's having trouble with something. Maybe he's sore. Maybe he's yeah. like just not seeing the ball well yeah. this particular day from this pitcher. So the catcher's got to have the freedom to do that and override it at yeah. least, you know? So, yeah, I think that's a great point. I think the teams, I, I haven't looked at the teams that are using it and not using it, but I wonder if the teams that aren't are the ones that have the more experienced, cerebral, great game callers. Yeah. Cause they would, because to me, you're 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 negating a strength team strength if you're just taking the game out of a really uh, experienced catcher who's great yeah. at calling a game. Well, catchers so. resist a lot of this stuff too. They resist the right. a lot of them don't want the K zone, the automatic umpire, because like Flowers would say or Darno would say, you know, it's like one of my most valuable strengths is to right. get a, a ball called a strike. Yeah, and then you take pitch calling out of their hand. It's like you could just throw anybody back there now. You might as well just pick a fast outfielder and tell them to block right. stuff. And at the same time, uh, a young catcher, a team might be uh, more uh, eager to use this and open to using it with a young catcher who's not great at calling games yet. It's not yep. assertive and all that. But how, if you start using it, how's he that catcher learned. ever going to develop that? Yep. He's never going to learn. Yep. You better you better hope he doesn't go to a team. Uh, you know, a team's a team might start looking at that if they're making a trade. And this is and and all the teams aren't using pitchcom. They might yep. look at has this guy been using pitchcom? Does he know how to call a game? How's it going to learn? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a lot of interesting variables it's going to bring to the game. It is. And it's also weird, you know, all this, all this little stuff they're trying to do to speed up the game. I, I think the focus, if you want to grow the game of baseball, because for me, I watched the masters seriously for the first time this weekend. And I had the time of my life because I play golf now. I never gave a shit about the masters because I didn't play golf till I was in my mid thirties. Right. I, I think baseball's focusing so much on, you know, cutting 10 seconds off the game here, trying to speed the, the pace of the game up with, with pitch calm and all these little things. It's like, if they really want to grow the game, they got to get kids playing it again. Yeah, no doubt. I, my, before we wrap it up, I just think this, it's real simple to take to shave 10 minutes off a game. And that's by not letting that batter go out of the box every pitch, adjust yeah. his thing, the Velcro batting gloves, just eliminate that. Yeah. That's all you need to do. But you know? I don't think that changes. You're still a three-hour game or two-hour and 40-minute game. But if you eliminate – if you can eliminate a lot of seconds on each pitch if the, the batter cannot get out of the box every time, yeah. you know? And the 20-second pitch count, I don't have a, a pitch clock. I don't have a problem with it because they stop it when a guy's – when there's runners yeah. on base. Yeah. So as long as you're, you're using it with no runners on base, I don't have a problem with using a pitch clock at all. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it, it would help if the games were faster paced. But, I mean, you're competing with 
instant gratification of Instagram, right. Twitter, all this stuff. Even if they cut the games to an hour, I don't think that solves much of the problem. I mean, you have to get interest in it. You got to get kids playing yeah. it. Yeah. All right, that's it. We'll uh, we'll be back after uh, after a couple of three games in this Nat series and do another show and have plenty to talk about. But it's good to be talking about baseball again and not about uh, lockouts and what we're looking forward to. So now they're playing, and uh, I think, like we said, a, a lot more positives than negatives on the Braves split of the four game series with the Reds. And the Reds got some talent, by the way. They're not going to be as, as bad as as a lot of people think. They got some players. No, they want those, those sneaky teams that when their talent does its job, they, they could come yeah. in and beat anybody and then they're going to go 0 for 7 one week, you know. But yeah, they weren't, they weren't a bad team, I didn't think. And, and Dickerson, uh, uh, and by the way, they started the season with three pitchers with zero service time and they're going to start a guy on Wednesday. Yeah. Add him to, he'll be the fourth with fourth pitcher with zero service time. Well, that's hard too, you know, for a team to, to see all these guys. You see three pitchers yeah. for the first time. Yeah. Um, Bavado, by the way, that play he made on Dickerson. Dickerson, everybody was down on Dickerson because, you know, who's Dickerson? We didn't know his shit last year. He hit some balls hard. He hit some balls hard Mm -hmm. and get into a lot of bad luck. So Mm -hmm. he had a pretty good series, I thought. That that play Vado made, that might have changed the game if he doesn't make that play right there for third out in that end. So, (laughs) anyway, all right. 755 is real. We're out. Thanks, everybody. Mm -hmm.